The Geeky Retro Nerd Show is part of the Art, Comedy and Pop Culture Network of Podcasts. Hello, welcome to the Geeky Retro Nerd Show. My name is Adam and I hope by now you know that I am a Geeky Retro Nerd and the show, as always, and I hope you know this by now, is sponsored by truffleshuffle.com. Head on over to the website, you'll see loads of geeky t-shirts and retro gifts. Use my own personal discount code GRNS15 and you will get a 15% discount on a spend of £25 or more. And it's international shipping, so everybody can get involved. Now then... I rushed that a bit because I was, I'm dying to get to the main part of this show. And I've got an absolute cracker for you. Um, if you're round about my age, chances are when you were growing up in the 80s, early 90s, on a, initially on a Monday, then on a Friday, <laughs> you will have absolutely pegged it home from school to get in the house in time for a TV show, a fantastic, brilliant, awesome TV show called nightmare and on the show for you today i've only went and got flipping tray god from nightmare the the lovely hugo myatt so get a cup of tea sit down feet up and have a listen to me and hugo having a lovely chat Enter, stranger. Who challenges my dungeon? I, Hugo Myatt. You have some small experience of dungeoneering, I hope? A great deal, for I was Tregard in Nightmare for eight years. Hugo, I I couldn't keep me laughing. I couldn't say that with a straight face. Hugo, welcome to the Geeky Retro Nerd Show. Thank you so much for taking the time out to uh, speak to me. I'm I'm very excited about this conversation because uh, when I was a kid, um, you know, it's different now to when I was a kid. There's there's loads of television channels for kids, 24 hours. Back then, there wasn't that. So you had to sprint home from school. And there was there was two shows, two top shows vying for the top spot. I think it's fair to say one of which was Funhouse, and the other was Nightmare. Nightmare. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I absolutely loved it, and it, it, it was so fascinating. And you were absolutely tremendous in it. <clears throat> well, thank you. It's so um, so at, so let's start at the start. I think so. Back in um, I suppose. Uh, mid mid eighties, so it's it, so it was created by a fella called Tim Child, wasn't it? Nightmare. Yes, he was the brilliant guy behind it all. Um, Tim was a great games player. 
of every sort of game, you know, from computer games to chess to anything else. And and as far as I can understand, I mean, I, I, I I've never discussed this with him, but I've always thought that he um, he was a bit um, fed up with being outside the game. Do you know what I mean? If right, you're playing yeah. a computer game, you're outside of it. And so he came up with this idea of sort of being somebody being actually in the game, in the computer, if you like. And that's how he came up with this brilliant idea. Him. So, so yeah, so so I understand Tim. So I hear what you're saying, being outside the game, uh, and, and Tim had this vision of being more um, uh, interactive, and, and it was clearly inspired by things like Dungeons and Dragons, which was well, huge at the time. Yes, I suppose it was, but uh, I mean, it really wasn't Dungeons and Dragons. It might well have been inspired by it, but I mean, obviously the whole thing being a dungeon and dungeon master and all this stuff was, uh, but we rather moved away from that in the sense that once the game started, there was very little to do with dungeons. Uh, it was just these fantastical um, scenarios, uh, which were created, uh, visually created, by um, David Rowe, who was, who was a stunning, um, I don't know what you call him, just a designer, brilliant. Uh, yeah. and he created the look of the thing. And, and and it was a it was a brilliant look for the time. I mean, it, it was it was really was ahead of its time, wasn't it? And it relied heavily on um, I don't know what the correct term is, but like blue screen. Yeah. Um, for chroma, for chroma the key, it was called chroma key. Yeah, that's it. Um, um, and and it was ahead of its time. But how how did you how did you come to get involved? Did Tim Child come to you and say I've I've got an idea? Well. Yeah, it's quite interesting. I mean, um, I knew Tim slightly uh, because I, the whole thing was done at Anglia Television in Norwich. Mm-hmm. And at those days, of course, that was that was the regional television station. Yeah. And I knew Tim slightly uh, more more socially than in the other way, um, because we both had boats on the broads. All right. Although he had a posh one and I had a rather um, old tub, really. But there you go. <laughs> um, but um Yes, I mean, I'd done a few little bits for Anglia, odd things, um, um, just just little bits I'd done for them. Um, but both, basically, I'm a stage actor. I mean, I've yeah. been, most of my uh, career has been on stage. Anyway, um, he actually approached me in the boatyard, Tim, and said, um, we're doing a pilot for a show uh, just to see if it works. It, it won't be shown, but it, it's just we just want to see if it works. And would you be interested in, you know, uh, and taking part? And I said, yeah, sure. And he said, you know, it's a few quid in your hand. So um, he then took me to a pub and explained it to me in great detail and kept saying, do you, do you get it? And I'm going, yes, 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 yes. Actually, I didn't understand a word he said, not a single word. I mean, I, I, it, the concept was completely beyond me. But I did um, do this pilot as as the Dungeon Master, it was called. I think it was called Dungeon Danger or something originally. All right. Um, and I began to get the idea. And uh, it was great fun. And I got a few of my hand and I thought that was the end of it. But then a few months later, he came again and said, we're doing another pilot. Again, it won't be shown, but we're going to do a full length pilot for, for what it would be if we, if we ever got this thing commissioned. And um, would you do that? You know, a few more bob in the hand. So I said, yeah, great, terrific. <laughs> so we did this other pilot. And I said, by then, I'd really sort of begun to understand what it was all about. Um, so we did that. But then I, uh, after that, I thought that was the end of it, because in the nature of these things, usually the poor actor who gets to do the pilot is never used again. Yeah. They'll find some name or some, you know, some face or name that everybody knows to, to do it. And uh, 
Oh, it was sometime later, Tim phoned me up and said, um, Hugo, we've, we've got a series. We've been commissioned to get a series. I said, well, well done, Tim. Great. Hope it goes well. He said, no, 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 no. He said, we've got a series. You and me. Wow. That was fantastic. And that's, that's how I ended up doing it. So there we are. So I got eight years' work out of it, or eight seasons' work, I should say, I suppose. And, and it was fantastic. And it was sad to end when it did, but there you go. <laughs> I, mean, I, I would I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall when um, Tim was pitching this to uh, TV executives or whoever, um, trying to explain the concept of Nightmare, because it, it, nothing like this had been seen before, had it? No, it's actually very difficult to explain. Um, I mean, it's, I, I did radio interviews and things at the time, and people who hadn't seen it said, well, explain what the show's about. Well, how do you? <laughs> It's very difficult. You can't say there's some poor child with a bucket on his head, three people shouting at him, and everybody at home shouting at them. <laughs> you know, that's what it amounts to, in a way. So, <clears throat> pardon my cough. Um, yes, it is difficult to explain. And Tim had a great difficulty getting anybody to take it seriously. Um, he, uh, he, he went around all the television companies, and nobody could really understand it. And eventually ended up back at Anglia. But they, they um, were prepared to sort of back him, but they said, if you're going to do this, you'll have to do it as an independent, i.e. you'll have to leave your job at Anglia. He was a, a journalist at Anglia on, on the yeah. news side. He was a right. news, news um, editor as well as everything else. Um, and so he took a heck of a risk. I was going to say a huge leap of faith, um, yeah. quitting I mean, your I'm, job to, to get this done. I've always admired that tremendously about him, that he took that risk. Um, and they um, got this program commissioned. Uh, I wow. think the first first season we only did eight shows or something, but right. really, it was a goer. Fantastic. And and how did it work um, filming it? Did you do them all at once or? Um, yes, so, well, sort of. Um, what basically happened? It was done uh, almost like a, a, a string of sausages. We just just kept going through it, and then. Mm-hmm. Um, when we got the right amount of time, because that's the problem with commercial television, you have to get the right amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I would top and tail it. If right. it took but, the, but in fact, in the studio, it went on and carried on till the day's work is done. So right. sometimes, sometimes a team would have to stay overnight because mm-hmm. their, their, their program um, ended when, when we had to close down for the night and then... Uh, start again the next morning. So they were put in a hotel with a chaperone and, and, and they carried on the next day. Right. It's quite difficult with, with children because there's all sorts of laws and regulations and rules about how long they can be on, how long they can do this, how long they can do that, and, which is fair enough. Yeah. It does make the thing a lot more complicated. Because I was going to ask you, what what was it like working um, with, with the kids on the show was there was there any fallout because with it being a team-based game i was i was watching some clips on youtube the other day hugo and um obviously with it being a team-based game there's a bit of a bit of to and fro and a bit of hustle and tussle between who's doing the talking and who's doing the instructing and uh was it was there, I'd, I'd be interested to know if there was any fallouts oh, yes. any, any punch-ups well, there, there was a, there was one punch-up um and, um <laughs> <laughs> Not actually in the studio, but this, oh, right. this, this was a team that had to stay the night. And um, bless them, a team of boys. And uh, they stayed the night at the hotel. And, and, uh, and the next morning, one of them came in with a bit of a black eye. 
because they'd had a falling out in the hotel and one had bopped the other. And the trouble was, for continuity, of course, we had to get rid of this black eye. So the poor kid was in makeup for, for a very long time. <laughs> um, yeah, so that sort of thing happened. No, it, the thing about it is, a um, couple of things I must try and explain. Although it was recorded, we actually did it as though it were live. Right. But that means there were no rehearsals and no retakes. Wow. So what you saw is what actually happened. Incredible. Um, the other thing is the children never actually saw us except on the set. Mm -hmm. So throughout the day, they never saw any of the characters or myself except when they were on the set. And the right. poor child, uh, the, you know, the dungeoneer, when he came through that door, it was basically the first time he saw me. <laughs> so there I was saying, welcome, stranger. And this poor child, sometimes you could see they were actually shaking. Um, but it didn't last long. They very quickly got into the game. Uh, it was quite astonishing how quickly they got into it. But as for the teams, um, it's quite difficult to get a team of four. Um, most most people have got a couple of, at least children at school or whatever, have got a yeah. couple of mates, you know, they've got their uh -huh. two mates. To get the fourth one was quite difficult. And sometimes it was pretty obvious the fourth one wasn't really in the clique, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it wasn't part of the gang. Yeah. And um, the other thing which we had grave difficulty with and never sorted out, the person who instigated the team, you know, me and my mates can do this, come on, we'll all and we'll bring old Freddie along as well. Um, <laughs> the, the bright one, the one that wanted to do it all, always wanted to go under the helmet. Right. Which, of course, is in fact the worst place. Yeah. Apart from the fact um, his mum can't see him because he's got a helmet over his face. Um, he, he actually doesn't get to do contribute a great deal unless he's very sharp because he's just being told sidestep left, walk forward, stop, you know, all that. It's yeah. the team, the, the advisors that are doing all the work. So in a sense, um, they will sacrifice their brightest one because he was determined or she was determined to go under the helmet. I, I was talking to a buddy of mine, Hugo, a good friend of mine, Peter Stones, and when I told him that I was um, going to be talking to you, he told me about his pal, another pal of his that had been on the show oh, with, right. with, with his friends. Mm. And it was his story is exactly what you've just described there. He he was adamant he was going to be the dungeoneer. Yeah. You know, he he'd arranged it. He was he was the leader of the gang or whatever. He was wanting the he was want he so he was the dungeon he I'm gonna be the dungeoneer. I'm yeah. gonna be the dungeoneer. And he didn't have a great time because he said he was he was uh, stuck in a warehouse somewhere, um, being instructed. He was absolutely absolutely gutted <laughs> that, he, that he wasn't in the studio. Were you? <laughs> yeah, that's, well, it, yes, it's next door. It's um, it, it, the studio I was in. Well, that bit of the set was a real set. We called it the live set. It's actually real, but the rest was just a great big blue void. And yeah. so when the poor kid was in the um, in the helmet, all they could see was a ring of blue around their feet. There was nothing else. Some of them tried to cheat and, and sort of look under the helmet. You know, the head would go right back and they'd try and see. But, of course, all they saw was more blue. Yeah. <laughs> that didn't really help them much. So I never really thought about cheating until you mentioned it there. Yeah. Uh, I suppose it would be hard to cheat on, well, on Nightmare. But the... There's nothing to see. So uh, <laughs> it's better just to listen a lot to what's <laughs> going on. Um I mean, what what the thing about the whole show was it, it, unlike other, if you want to call it game shows or whatever, 
it has a lot of drama in it. It has. Because not only is this poor child, you know, um, at, at, entirely at the disposal of these three advisors, um, so that they're shouting at the poor dungeoneer under the helmet, whilst everybody at home is shouting at the three advisors. So you've got <laughs> two levels of drama going on, uh, which I think is what made it so exciting. It, well, it did. It, it made it really compelling. And what made it exciting as well is the fact that, you know, you you had you as the the presenter, I suppose, but you weren't the presenter because you were you were playing the role of Trey God. It was it was an actual role. You weren't it wasn't like, for instance, yeah. Pat Sharp when I was speaking to him, he was the presenter of Funhouse and he was yeah. Pat Sharp, but you were Trey God. You yeah. you know, you were the dungeon master and that and that's what made it, you know, so compelling and I, interesting and watchable. I think one of the things in the early series, before we got um, Lord Fear as a villain, mm-hmm. I had to provide the menace as well as the sort of um, you know the help. Yes, which quite, diff- quite a difficult role to play. I bet I'm it was not, not blowing my own trumpet, but it, no. uh, I'm just saying it was it was difficult because sometimes the kids would look at me and I know they wanted help, <laughs> uh, and and I had to decide whether if there was very early stages, I'd probably try and give them help because you know, you've got to give them a chance. And also from a television point of view, you don't want them on for 30 seconds and then thrown out. Um, but later on, you know, when it was difficult, I had to sort of harden my heart and um, not help them. You know. But uh, sometimes I'd get a, because um, I had a talk back from the director's box and I'd hear Tim saying, Hugo, <coughs> so sorry. He, Tim would say, Hugo, do something. And I think, what? What am I supposed to do, you know? Because you can't talk back because you're on camera. <laughs> yeah. And I start to talk very slowly. I say, start saying, team, don't you think that perhaps you should consider... Something like that, you know, yeah. on and on and on. No, 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 wink. Well, I'm desperately trying to think what to say. <laughs> yeah. But you... but So, obviously, you must be... Uh, clued up on where the puzzles were going and and what you needed to do to be able to throw in um, the, the, the little clues and the little bit of advice actually funny enough although i, I had a sort of um a working script because i had to know what was in each scene things like the the riddles mm-hmm. nobody ever told me what the answers were <laughs> now in the early days, I managed to work them out. But I remember way late on, probably in the last series, suddenly one of these fantastic riddles came up about something. And I suddenly thought, I haven't a clue what the answer to this is. What if they ask me for advice? And I'm hoping to, you know, against hope that these kids won't actually do that thing of turning around to me and looking and, oh, dear. But fortunately, they were quite bright and they puzzled it out for themselves, which was, whew, <laughs> now, now obviously it was kids that was on the show and uh, us kids at home watching were very very jealous but yeah I, I, you know everybody wanted to be on nightmare um but i imagine as well when i when i was sort of reading up um and doing my homework for speaking to you um th- there must have been an adult audience for nightmare as oh, well yeah. We did. We had a, a huge adult audience. Somebody said it was 40%. We're wow. Adults. I don't know if that's true or not. They're, they're, we were very big in universities at the time. Uh-huh. And also um, amongst people who um, could watch television at five o'clock. I mean, 
one of the things I noticed uh, at that time is whenever I, I mean, I'm very fond of Chinese food, I used to go to a Chinese restaurant and, and they'd go, ah, him, because <laughs> what do they do at five o'clock in the evening? It's before the evening starts, you know, they've prepared all the food and things, they, and so they can watch the telly from, you know, five to six or whatever it is. And they watch a so nightmare. They, yeah, so they watch nightmare. Um, so I noticed that. Um, yeah. Fantastic. Cause just because I was thinking, you know, the the sort of influence of Dungeons and and Dragons and you know all that kind of stuff it, that that wasn't exclusive to kids. No, um, you know there was there was definitely an adult interest in that well, as well. The thing is, since then, and I, I do these conventions from time to time, you know, yeah. comic cons or horror cons or whatever, and the LARP ones. I mean, a lot of people in these uh, live action role play have said that's what started them on LARP, you know, what, wow. what got them interested. And other people have come up to me um, and said, you know, you made my childhood. And I think, oh, yeah. my, you know, um, you know uh, can I be retrospectively responsible for something? <laughs> um, but, um, <laughs> but I mean, they mean it in a very genuine way that, 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 that it led them to do other things. I mean, amongst them uh, were people who write computer games have come mm -hmm. up that's what started them off and, it, and and others in all sorts of fantasy businesses or interests um they said nightmare started them off and it's, it's uh, yeah it's fantastic and it is fantastic because obviously us kids that watch that at a time we are adults now and we have our we have our own kids um and when i was tell i, I told a few people well actually i put it on facebook <laughs> that, that <laughs> i was that i was speaking to you because i was dead excited um a, a pal of mine um, on Facebook, Kerry Williams, she she commented actually that um, her her child, who was 11, was at school very recently, and uh, the teacher was telling the, the class about a show, a kids' TV show that she used to watch um, growing up, which she used to enjoy. And my pal's child said, are you talking about Nightmare? <laughs> Because she recognised from what she was saying, and and she, and she watched Nightmare because I believe it gets reruns on Challenge TV. Yes. So, it, so, so it, our kids, my kids, are, are watching Nightmare now. Really? Yeah. It's, it's funny. It's, I mean, I, I never. I'm probably wrong, but to me, it doesn't feel particularly dated. No, it uh, doesn't. Like I say, I was watching YouTube clips um, earlier on, uh, and and it, it holds up pretty well. I mean, when you think we never thought it would ever be repeated or, or, or at all, we just thought it would be forgotten, you know, like a lot of series are. Yeah. Um, it's been astonishing how, how it's lived on. And as you say, I've, uh, some of these conventions, I've had um, kids of, you know, um, 10, 11, 12, who actually know it at all. They've seen it all and are really into it. And I'm thinking, how the devil have you seen all this, you know? So it's either on YouTube or challenge they've been watching it. I don't know. But it's... Um, yeah, I mean, that's... There's loads on YouTube. There's full episodes on YouTube. Whether yeah. they're meant to be there or not, I don't know. But no, they're, no, full they're, they're all pirated. But you know, it keep, keeps keep, the interest going. I can't it complain. does definitely. It keeps it alive. Um, yeah. So, as I said before earlier on, Hugo, you know, I was I used to run home from school to, to see Nightmare. It was on a Friday night, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a, well a Friday that afternoon. Changed, I think it was Monday originally, and then it became Friday. Yeah, yeah Mondays, and then on a Friday. What were you aware at the time how popular the show was? Um, we knew the ratings were quite extraordinary. Um, 
I can't remember now, but people say it was something like, uh, I, I can't be right. Um, but I, it's, I don't know, three, four, five million or something. It was just extraordinary compared with the um, um, other things. You've got to remember, though, that then there were only two companies churning out stuff, BBC yes. and TV. So, so the ratings for anything were pretty high. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was an astonishing amount of people watching it at five o'clock you know, <laughs> on a Friday night. So, um, yeah. So we knew it was very popular. We knew it was different. We didn't actually, at least I didn't realize it was going to be um, such a, a, a cult following. I didn't realize it would, it would have such an effect. Um, I mean, that, that's probably a good way to describe the, the following now, a cult following. It's definitely become, you know, it was a popular show at the time. But like we say, um, YouTube and the, the reruns on challenges has, has kept it alive and kept it going, kept it in the in the public uh, consciousness, uh, consciousness, I suppose. And um, it's become a cult TV show. You you are a cult figure. Somebody Hugo. said, somebody said, 80s icon. I thought, oh, thank you very much. Well, well absolutely. You know, there was, like you say, there was, um, there was only C- uh, children's BBC and CITV, really, when I was a kid at that time, what, watching the TV shows. And, uh, you know, the, the, the viewing was much more focused on that. Whereas now, you know, there's millions of channels and they're on, they're on 24 hours. Yeah. But at that time, the, 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 the viewers were focused on BBC, ITV. And at that time, there were some very, very recognisable faces on the television, and one of them was yours. Yeah, it's a funny thing. Um, people say to me, they think I know lots about children's television. Of course, I know nothing about children's television. I only did that program. People say to me, um, well, after, after it ended, there were all sorts of rumours that used to fly around. Where is he? Where's he gone? Where's Traeger? Where's Hugo Meyer gone? And they were saying that um, one said I was running a, well, I won't say what, in, in Buenos Aires. Uh, another was had me running a, a bar in, in Spain. Another one uh, said I was I was um, leading a girl of dancers in Landidno or something. I mean, it was just extraordinary. Um, and people so say, people, you know, people wanted to know where where's you? Well, I think, I think they thought I, I would pop up somewhere else on television. You see, but of course, uh, my career was largely in theatre, so yeah. um, I went back to doing what I was doing before, really. And your, and your theatre background really prepared you well for Traegard. Again, when I was watching those clips earlier on, it, it was a, it's a very dramatic role, isn't it, Traegard? Yes. I mean, it, I have to be careful not to get into parody, but I don't think I ever did. At least I hope I did. No, no. I, I, I never thought that once. But you've, you've got a great voice for that kind well, of thing. People think I talk like Traegard the whole time. It's <laughs> a, a, a bit hard on, on, the, on the wife and, you know, what... Um, so, yes, I mean, uh, what always struck me is I used to, the line I loved most of all was saying, um, and remember, it's only a game, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was watching that earlier on, because you had another, that was kind of like a catchphrase, wasn't it, at the end of the show? And you had another one as well, when they used to... Um, when the dungeoneer got knocked out or oh, yes. was killed or whatever. You mean the, oh, nasty. <laughs> yeah. Really? I, was, I was watching it before and probably, you know, it, it's it's funnier now watching it as a as an adult. I think watching it as a kid, I, I took it quite seriously. But watching it as an adult, it's quite funny. I was watching one before and the dungeoneer was in a room and the, the floor started falling away. 
And one of the kids said that the floor had fallen away to his left. Mm. And it obviously mixed up the left and the yeah. right. And it, the kid said, uh, sidestep left. Yeah. And of course, he sidestepped left and he, <laughs> he fell right. so, so, so the other two were looking at the one in the middle who had given <laughs> the instruction. They were like throwing their pens down on their pad <laughs> as if to say, nice one. Yeah. And then there's you sitting in the background going, oh, nasty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's, it, it's um, I think that's a classic one, but I often wonder how the three got, how the four got on afterwards, but I don't know. Um, <laughs> the ooh, nasty thing came about because originally we had an animation because we, we tended in the early ones to drop people from great heights. And we had an animation of the little figure going down, down, down. And um, that actually took a few seconds and it was all silence. And I thought I'd better fill these few seconds. So that's how I started saying, ooh, nasty. And it sort of stuck. <laughs> yeah, that was like that was like a catchphrase, wasn't it? Ooh, yeah, nasty. wasn't intended to be, and none of them were really. I mean, uh, you know, warning team. That that seemed to become a catchphrase or something or other. People waited for it. You know. I mean, but, I, I'm, I'm sitting here, Hugo, um, <laughs> getting <laughs> chills every time you say something. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hugo, did anybody actually win? Oh yeah. Nightmare. Yeah, I think people forget that they did. And I'll tell you why they forget. We had eight winners in eight seasons. That didn't mean there was one winner a season. Sometimes there were none. Sometimes there were a couple. Yeah. Um, the reason people forget about it is because being television, and we've only got uh, half an hour, which in, in, in ITV terms is probably 25 minutes or something, yeah. the adverts. Yeah. So if a team won, we said, jolly good, congratulations, goodbye. You see, we had to get rid of them and get another team on because that's how television works. You know, you can't have, um, it's not like the end of um, uh, one of these, um, I can't think, university challenge or something where they get given a golden bowl and everybody shakes your hand. You've just yeah. got to get rid of them and get the next team on. <laughs> Otherwise, you, the viewer loses interest. So that's why the poor teams that won, they didn't get much um, kudos out of it, you know. But did they the did. Sorry. Sorry, sorry, go on. No, as I said, but there were winners, and some of them were very, very clever, very good. Did, did they win anything? Um, initially, uh, well, they didn't win anything in terms of money or prizes, no. I mean, it was just the greatness of doing it. I think they got a scroll initially, you know, some sort Oh, yes. Of but I, I think that even the losers got a scroll as well, didn't they? No, quite probably, yeah. Um, the Later on, towards the end, the, we had some... Wonderful uh, little statuettes made, uh, steel statuettes of a knight, which I think was dubbed the Fright Knight. And uh, this was given to the winning team. I always thought this was a bit dodgy because you're not kids alike. Who's going to have it? Yeah. <laughs> you can have it one week. I'll yeah. have it the next. <laughs> you, you can see a sort of um, friction already. But um, yes. And I have seen one of those on eBay at one point. So have I you? don't know. There we go. Oh, naughty. Naughty. There's no way mine would be going on eBay. Here. No. Um, has it ever been, have they ever tried to revive Nightmare? Have they ever tried to, because it, fin it finished in 1994, didn't it? So it, no, ran, no. From, it ran from 87 to 94. Um, have, have they ever tried to bring it back? I think well, they might have done um, in various guises. Uh, not really. The, there was a thing called Geek Week, which, um, was it Google put on? 
and they did a, a week with sort of retro shows and they asked us to do one right and uh, so we all said yes and funny it was a bit surreal actually because after sort of 25 years or something i was back in the same costume <laughs> in the same studio in the same dressing room um <laughs> exactly the same same yeah. dress, same studio yeah, same exactly. dressing room everything exactly. yeah it was, it was a very odd feeling of uh, deja vu was it the we, exact same outfit yeah exact same yeah, costume yeah, yeah. And we had this um, team of YouTube stars. Now, I'm sorry, this is my age and ignorance, but I didn't know there were such things. But anyway, they are. They were, they were a very, very nice bunch of people. They were lovely. But I have to say, they were probably the worst games players I've ever worked with. <laughs> and, and, and they just, uh, they, they went out after about 25 minutes or something. And everybody thought we'd fixed it because that's how much time we had. But we hadn't. That's exactly the time they did shoot themselves in the foot and, 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 and got a new nasty. Well, there we are. But uh, why we did it, what it was all about, I do not know. It was just a one-off. We were asked oh, to do it. We did it. And that was it. People said, oh, this is the start of a new... I said, no, it's not the start of anything as far as I know. So would, there we would, are. Would, would you do it again if they asked, if, if they wanted to do another series? Would you do it again? Well... I mean, I'm rather old now. I'd probably have to play my father or something. <laughs> It'd be interesting to see what it would look like now with, you know, obvious, obvious uh, advancements in technology and what yeah. have you. It'd be well, interesting to see what it would look like now. They all want to do um, virtual reality, you see. Now, the problem with virtual reality is that and the person actually with the goggles, I don't know what you would call those things, is the only one enjoying it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to watch somebody else enjoying themselves and having no idea what they're enjoying themselves about? I mean, I, I can't see that it would work. You see, the, the whole thing about the um, the helmet was it was a virtue of necessity. That yeah. was the only way we could work the thing, make it go. But that's what actually made the show. The helmet of justice. Yeah, the fact that there was blind man's buff, you know, um, that's what made it work. And if you have virtual reality, um, you're just going to watch somebody enjoying themselves. And I can't see much point in that so i don't no. think it work that's one thing uh, people often said um, couldn't we have an adult version well at first sight that seems a great idea except for the fact that adults are likely to talk back yes you know what i mean <laughs> and, and you, you can't really um i mean whether one controls them or not is a, is a moot point but it's not the way it works you don't want people being clever and trying to you know trying to outshine things you just want them to do the the, the actual riddles and the quest itself you know so i don't think yeah. that the other thing about bringing it back is it was a very expensive show to do was it oh yeah well you think about it they had to go around the country auditioning people to, mm -hmm. to the teams um they had to get them together they had they had all this um, um modern technology of the time fantastic studio space and all the rest of it costumes and we had Overall, we had 31, I think, different actors and actresses who worked in The Void, you know, with the kids. At <coughs> um, different times. I mean, uh -huh. uh, and the other thing about them, of course, was um, that they um, improvised it all. So they knew what they were trying to achieve with, with the child, either, you know, to get them to move on to the next thing or yeah. blow themselves out, no matter which. And, um, but... 
although they had a, a scenario of what they wanted to do, they basically were ad-libbing all the time. And those, um, those 31 people, out of all of them, none of them, as far as I can remember, ever screwed up. So I think that's brilliant. It is brilliant, and 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 I was going to mention the the I don't know what were they a supporting cast um, in the show because you know like you say it wasn't just you um, and yeah. the show we, we we there was a, a supporting cast who were who were really really good and like and I was going to ask you about how that actually worked with you know because it wasn't scripted and and it was a game so it could go any way really well, Any, could. anything could happen and, and well, so how how did they deal with that well they were brilliant you see this is the thing the main thing that, that I, mean, I don't know how, how tim um, briefed them but the main thing is to actually not go off at a tangent because if you go off at a tangent it's very difficult to get back to where yeah. you've, you've got to go so they might have a few lines that they've learned to start with like um and what uh, what are you doing here where are you going? What are you? Something like that. You know, something, <laughs> a kid comes across some some character, but from then on in, um, they had to add limit, and it depended entirely on what the, what the child said. And also, of course, they they couldn't hear, or they could, but they, they weren't supposed to hear what the advisors were saying. Yeah. So it all had to come from the the, the dungeoneer in front of them in the helmet, although they could probably hear what was going on. Um, in the in the live set, as we say, it was a complicated show to do. Uh, I was going to say it sounds very complicated. And um, we, I mean, I was told that it cost about uh, almost um, half or a third as much as a drama to make. Right, that, that's big money in in TV terms. Yeah, for a for a an afternoon children's show. Yeah. Children's show. Yeah, I mean, the, the truth is that today. Uh, for, for a children's show, nobody would do it. Nobody would spend that money. Yeah. Well, like, like I said at the start, ahead of its time. Yeah. Was uh, was nightmare. So, so what what are you up to now, Hugo? What what are you doing? Oh, well, I, was having, I, I was having a look on the web the nightmare website earlier, and you mentioned it before that you do comic cons and things like that. Yeah, I do a lot of those now. Well, not a lot. I do a few of those a year. Um, I mean, I'm pretty well retired. I mean, I'm, uh, I, I don't do any theatre anymore because I spent 50 years doing it. And, um, you know, I quite like my home. And you always live in it out of a suitcase you're doing theatre. Mm-hmm. And um, I probably don't find it as easy to learn lines as I used to. Um, what else do I do? I, I had quite a long um, career doing voiceovers and various things. I'd also yeah. voice computer games and things like that. Oh, yeah, because you did uh, Fable. Yes, and black and white and others, I'm afraid, whose names I've forgotten and probably everybody else has. Um, yeah, and stuff like that, you know, uh, narrating documentaries and um, all sorts of things and the odd advert. Um, but, um, yes, I mean, I'm sort of living like an old man now. <laughs> just, um, yes. <laughs> Well, Hugo, you give me um, hours of uh, joy as a kid watching Nightmare. I absolutely loved it. I love Trey God. Um, and, and this is what that's what my show is all about. Kind of looking back, you know, the nostalgia thing. Yeah. Um, reminiscing about uh, the things I used to enjoy when I was a, a kid growing up in the in the eighties and in the early nineties. And and you and Trey God and Nightmare are a, are a, a, a a really fond memory oh, um, of, of that time. And, and I really appreciate you coming on well, to speak you. to me. No, it's been lovely. Thank you very much, Adam. Thank you. So all that's left... 
for me to say, Hugo, and, and I really hope you don't mind me saying this, is spell casting D I S M I S S. Go on, you say it. You say it for us, Hugo. Uh, I want to say. So join us again on Nightmare. And remember, it's only a game, isn't it? Brilliant. Thanks, Hugo. Hugo Myatt there, tree guard from Nightmare. Really nice and interesting fella, isn't he? I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you found it interesting. It was an absolute thrill for me because it was one of my one of my favourite TV shows when I was a kid. I was dying to be on it. Obviously, never got on it. Um, but speaking to Hugo and watching clips on YouTube of nightmares just brings it all brings it all back. Um, and I had a great time speaking to Hugo. So before I do D I S M I double S. I hope if you listen to this, I hope you've seen Nightmare because <laughs> all, all of that stuff, uh, you'll be thinking, what the hell is going on here? Um, but before I D I S M I S S, all that remains for me is to remind you about an app called Podcoin, and it is a free app on Apple and Android, completely free to download. And it's the only app that rewards you for listening to podcasts. And the more you listen, the more you are rewarded. So you gain points. The more you listen, the more points you get. And you can convert those into um, gift cards. Amazon, for example, which, you know, what can't you get in Amazon? And or you can convert it into cash, which gets donated to charity. Which which is fantastic, isn't it? So Podcoin, I mean, if you're listening, you might as well listen on there and earn while you listen. Get it at Apple and Android. Download it now. So thanks very much. Thanks for listening. I will catch you next time. Bye.